God bless you, do all that you can, but we should always be prepared. We have in our pockets ready to put something in somebody's hand, doing our part. That the 60,000 tracks that just went to churches here um, in Auburn just this past uh, week, that they will be distributed quickly this year, get more of them up and get more prepared and sent out from um, gospel tracks, uh, Bible tracks, Inc. Um, and Brother Impurities needs more board in sight about what's going on here uh, in Auckland and in Sydney. And you'll probably, just like Pastor Leather, he got more board and excited and seeing about it every year. And praise God that he has the ability to guys are coming out in a great way and bring these men over from the United States. They come over about three years. Thanks. Um, they got a job, so they have to pay their way. And I always try to schedule two, three years out. Um, next year we have Lord Felcher. The year after I've got um, David Swanson and Byron Fox. I'm working on 2026, 20, which I think may be Pastor Levin and Brother Curry again. Uh, 20, 20, 2026. <laughs> but I do that intentionally so that they have time to get their funds together uh, and pay their way to come from the United States. They land in Sydney. Then all of us, the churches here, we put together and we, we handle all the domestic travel. You guys here do a wonderful job with the housing, the food, the lodging. Then they already have the ticket ready from Auckland to go out. So we fly them from Sydney over here. They already have the ticket in the city and out of Auckland. But you know the expense of what tickets are right now. If you don't just go to the area, you know, the website and get out of heat. Uh, they went like this as a result of COVID. Uh, so be faithful and uh, remember what the men have done. Uh, there's 60,000 tracks. We call them free. Uh, absolutely free to do. It goes across the different here. Uh, get the encouragement here. So um, God's man is worthy of his hire. Uh, so remember that as we're giving, uh, continue to have the gospel going out and flowing through our part of um, God's wonderful world. And it's such a beautiful place here in New Zealand to live. I can't imagine what eternity is like. Uh, I already sold everything in the state. I'm already a resident here. I'll settle in for how I'm going to be here unless God um, chooses otherwise. I'll be glad to stay here. It's a beautiful place. I can't imagine what eternity is going to be like. Hey, you have a heart in getting somebody who is currently just by getting out in the gospel track. You never open your mouth. The next Sandra could be born again because you just simply put track of somebody's name. And you will have reward for eternity for that effort to put the gospel track out. This morning, I want to take a look at a eunuch, a eunuch, and how he opened his eyes. And I want you to put yourself in the eunuch's shoes if, answer this question in your mind, answer this question in your mind, if you are not 100% sure that you will go to heaven if you die right now. 50% sure, most people can say, sure, I'm 50% sure because. Uh, like the man I talked to yesterday, the young man, uh, yesterday I spoke with, done good works, we called out all the good works, and there's that scale uh, that they look at. And if you ask anybody, you're 50% sure you're going to go to heaven, they start thinking about the good works and that supposed uh, big scale up in heaven where God's going to weigh and see, should you go to heaven or should you go to hell? Well, we know that's not the case. We can't get to heaven by our good works, but that's what the world thinks. Um, if you think you got 50% chance, um, keep listening to the message, but we're up and down. Are you 75% sure? Usually, if we hit 75% sure, somebody's going to heaven, they really start thinking about the good works and the bad works, and they're like, Yeah, I think I, think I can squeeze in by the skin of my teeth. Now, it's up to about 90%. Then you start weeding out those that are thinking about the good works, they're really thinking hard. They're still not thinking about Christ, but that's about 90 to about 
There's still things that have to worse. I gotta have to do something to help. I'll be in church more often, and I'll do. I'll stop all the swearing. I'm gonna stop stealing. I'm gonna stop fornication. Think about all these things. Be able to fit that scale so that 90 percent sure I'm gonna go to heaven. Didn't get that 100 percent sure. It draws the line in the sand right there. If you're a born again believer and you trust in Christ the Savior, you can say without a doubt right now that you're 100 percent sure. Yep. If you can't say that you're 100% sure, young man that I spoke with, and I tried to hit this verse at the beginning, at the end of my sowing, uh, when I get an opportunity to present the whole gospel, right there at 1 John 5, verse 13, and I let people know that what is written right here in the Word of God, and what I'm about to share with you, this this right here, as it is written, you can know 100% sure without a doubt you're going to heaven. If you're a born-again believer, you don't hang your hat on the fact that you're here at church. Yep. Uh, you, you don't rely on your good works. You don't rely on your pastor. You don't rely on your so many others. The only thing we can rely on is this right here. It's yep. the only that's right. thing that's on planet Earth today is the living Word of God yep. and the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that today. So if you today cannot say, cannot answer, I'm 100% sure that I'm going to go to heaven. Put yourself in the shoes of this unit as we take a look at his eyes open and do trust in Christ the Savior. If you know you're 100% sure that you're going to go to heaven, put, your shoe, put yourself in the shoes of Philip. He's the evangelist that came alongside because now, if you are already born again, you've got Philip's job. Philip's job is to go out and have the gospel and be prepared and to get the message out. So here in um, Acts chapter number 8, We'll try to walk through verse 26 through verse number 40. Uh, but before I give you a little introduction, before we start reading the word of God, it was by God's prophets that orchestrated this event that is about to happen. His prophets, his prophets allowed me to lead a uh, man to the Lord this past week down at Silent Park. Um, his prophets that he gave a gospel tract to him. Well, he gave his gospel tract to this uh, man from Congo, and I needed him the gospel tract. It, it didn't really move in much, uh, but when I slipped and fell, and I got a bad back, by the way, surgery, thank you for your prayers, for the past oh, six years, I feel great this year, but when I went down, um, I was fearful myself that I had injured my back, so usually if I fall, I just kind of sit there a minute, just kind of get things feeling a little bit better before I go stand up, here comes the compliment, and rush him over, puts his hand out, and it, it, he was a muscle. I mean, he picked me up, and I, I'm 250 pounds of pure muscle. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm fudging that a little bit. <laughs> but without a doubt, he reached there with his hand, was like huge, he picked me straight up. Um, and that thing was the providence of God. He fallen flat on my back, head coming over. That opened up the opportunity for me to be the fill-up for this man. His name is Saeed, S-A-I-L-E, for him to be the unit. And that Father allowed me to present the gospel and trust in Christ the Savior. So you're either Philip or you are the unit this morning. And it's God's one that is orchestrating this. Philip now is a Jewish evangelist. This is not Philip the disciple. Um, apostle, he is a Jewish evangelist. And it was exactly where God needed him to be. He was in town. Um, he was in the midst of a revival meeting. Exactly what's happening here. I went down in the midst of a revival meeting to try to encourage you and myself. Um, and our church plot plan to continue for another year with the zeal of getting the gospel out. Philip was in town. He was the evangelist. He was the preacher. He was in a revival meeting, but God pulled him aside. 
He brought this life from Jerusalem. Uh, we would say there was a million people in Jerusalem, uh, and for almost at one point five million, maybe it's a little bit more than that. But there was probably a million at least sitting in Jerusalem now, coming in for the feast and the festivities uh, uh, that they were, or that was ordained by God. And as Philip was there, God pulled aside. You got ready for one man. God said, these billion are here, right? I want to over here. So God had pulled Philip aside to go reach this one uh, this one soul that was out on, out on the road. He could have stayed there and visited that million people, and he could have seen many people saved. He could have preached the gospel message, and he could have had lots of notches in his belt. He could have led several to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who knows how many thousands he had stayed in Jerusalem. But God is a God, a personal Savior to you and I. He wants to save you personally, not simply the masses. He is now to be a personal Savior to each and every one of us. So God took him from a million and sent them out to one man um, to go out and see this man saved. Now God called Philip to that one man. I'm not going to read these verses for the sake of time. But verse number 26 through 28, Philip was obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Spirit of the Lord. Verses 29 through verse number 30, Philip was obedient to the Spirit of God. And in verse number 35, Philip was obedient to the Word of God. He was just there to be led guided by God and knew that power was not in of himself. It was in the triune God, and in the living Word of God was the only thing that could save, uh, save, save a soul. Uh, save your soul. So Philip was in his place, and Philip was obedient. You're in your place today. You're in the house of God. We're told not to forsake the assembly of yourself together. So you are obedient to the word of God. Hebrews 10, 25. You are where you need to be in this morning. Now we need to be obedient as we take it out there when God impresses upon our heart, or as we are just simply out of the street. We may be at work. We may be doing something. We may slip and fall flat on our back with a gospel track in our pocket. And we are just simply obedient to the providence of God to put you on the path of that one unit that needs the gospel of Jesus of Jesus Christ. So we have Philip, the evangelist. Now we have you, the unit. This is just an introduction. It just shows a picture of the characters in this event. The unit now, he was a Gentile. Um, he was a proselyte. He was a Gentile Ethiopian. And he also was exactly where God needed him to be. They crossed paths only because the unit was in the same place. He was worried and worried about the unit. Why was he there? He was in town for worship. He was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He was a proselyte Jew. So he was in town of worshiping God. He was desiring, obviously, to find God Almighty. He received a portion of scripture while he was in town. We're in town right now. Guess what we're getting out? Portion of the scripture. This is exactly, exactly, this scene right here is us right now, all of you, us, the evangelist, the preacher, we have portions of scripture, they're sitting back on the table, they're standing up, you take them out, they're lost and die, no, this isn't the whole word of God, but the power of salvation is sitting inside this, because it's God's word of God, so this unit, he received a portion of scripture, that would be a gospel tract. He went and worshipped in the temple, and as he worshipped in the temple, he was spiritually hungry to find God, but he did not get full for that hunger. Religion could not save him. He leaves disappointed, but as he leaves disappointed, guess what? He's still seeking after God. He walks away with this right here. Sandra walked away with this right here. I don't know who even Sandra down in Ashford, the gospel track. You could be someone sitting right here. She walked away still hungry and obviously read what was in that track and trusted Christ as Savior. That's where the unit is right now. He left religion. He left the temple. 
He left Jerusalem disappointed, but he was still seeking after God. Now, what was his journey like? This Ethiopian, he didn't just skip across town. He didn't just come in a, not a Uber, but a Tesla. <laughs> he didn't just come in a car, a train, a plane, and just drive up from Pakitani within a couple hours, and he was in the midst of the revival um, up in Auckland. This Ethiopian unit hit this. It was a one-way journey from Ethiopia into Jerusalem was 2,500 kilometers. 2,500 kilometers. That's quite a distance. That's like flying from Auckland City. We can get from Auckland if we fly. If I drive from Lake County up here three hours, it comes three hours. Um, from Sydney to Auckland, guess what? You're about three hours. Well, this is not what he had. He was not there. This would be uh, like us today, 2,500 kilometers would be like us driving about 30 hours straight without sleeping. 30 hours straight without sleeping. Now, he didn't have our testaments. That could go out. How fast did it hit 60? 1.9 seconds. It could be 60 miles an hour. That's a stricter deal. But he couldn't do that. He was in a horse and a chariot. He was in a buggy. If he was lucky, he could do 30 kilometers an hour. I don't think it would hit 30 in 1.9 seconds. I mean, it, it would take some time to get up to that speed. So you're thinking, if we drove 2,500 kilometers, it would take us 30-hour straight driving. If he was driving uh, uh, 2,500 kilometers, this would be one way from Ethiopia into Jerusalem, he would have drove 80 hours straight. Of course, there wasn't petrol stations. If you want to know what we're talking about, it's the, the Charging up charging stations, he was driving horses. You can't drive horses like you can a car. We can drive a car straight 30 hours straight without a problem. It's just going to keep kicking. Make sure you don't keep up with your full changes and keep it maintained. It'll go that 30 hours straight. You can go the 80 hours straight without a problem. He's got horses, but he's got horses that he's driving. So if he's lucky, he can only drive five hours a day. Had the horses had rest, they had refreshed. So this journey for this Ethiopian eunuch, seeking God, seeking something that he was he was whipped out in Ethiopia, this would have been a four-week journey. Four weeks, not four hours, not four days, four weeks it took him to get from Ethiopia into Jerusalem. He wanted God. Now all of a sudden, coming into this revival, the preaching's going on, the gospel track is put into his hand. He went into the temple of God Almighty, and he walks out and he could not find God. What a disappointment! Can you imagine someone seeking four weeks to get to find God and find eternal life? Couldn't find it. He should have walked away distraught and said, Well, God doesn't exist. This isn't real. There is no such thing as eternity. There is no heaven. There is no hell. He could walk away with all that in his mind, but he still walked away, sitting in his chariot with his portion of scripture, still trying to find God Almighty. Four weeks later, Amen. we don't know how long he spent in, spent in that town. Uh, today, now, we have the, the Philip, the, the evangelist. We got the evangelist here. You've got your pastor. You've got the unit. If you're Philip, you're a born again believer, you're the Philip here today. If you don't know you're going to heaven today, you're the unit. So we are sitting here today as the next character in this message. God puts people into places by his providence. He then allows things to be orchestrated. If you're not where you need to be, God has the next person to come alongside, and that person can give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has this, he puts people in places and events. All of this in place to serve his eternal purpose and for his eternal glory. God has put you today right here in Mount Zion. Uh, 
You were here today. You put Brother Curry here today. You put me here today. You have Pastor Levin and sit there with elders here today. All of this orchestrated. We're right where God needs us for His eternal purpose, for His eternal eternal glory. So being in our place is exactly, exactly what is at stake in order for souls to be saved, for yourself to be saved, and for us to be able to lead some of the glory of Jesus Christ. So who exactly? And that's what I'm just trying to walk through these verses. I don't have a three-point outline, uh, but I want to walk through these verses and just take a glimpse of who this unit is. If you're not born again, put yourself in the unit's place. If you are born again, put yourself in Philip's place to understand who this unit is, because the units are flooded throughout the streets of Auckland, and you need to get to the unit as a Philip so that they can receive Christ as their personal Savior. They're seeking after God. They're looking for something. They need hope. They walk away empty from religion and from the temples and from churches, but they're still seeking, and you can have that answer and put it in their hand. In verse number 27, let's walk through a couple verses and look at who this unit was. And how his eyes were opened up. In verse number 27, the eunuch was a man of great authority. He had great responsibility. He had charge of all the treasure. He was a man that was in charge of all of the wealth of the queen of Ethiopia. In verse 27, and he rose and went, behold, a man of Ethiopia, and the eunuch of great authority, as a Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, who had charge of her treasury. So he was a man of great authority. We need people of great authority. If you have an opportunity to get this to send that, if you get an opportunity to witness to your MP, if you get an opportunity to witness to the bank owner, these are people of great authority in our system today. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ no matter who they are. If I had an opportunity to witness to um <laughs> I've given the gospel of Jesus Christ. He needs it just like you and I need the gospel of Jesus Christ. He needs eternal hope. Well, that's who this Ethiopian was. He was a man of great authority. As he was going through for his four weeks of his journey, as the man of authority or the treasure, guess what he had with him? The treasure. So he probably had an entire entourage of good help, maybe a hundred or a thousand men, guards, and all, all of the, uh, the bells and whistles of a great man of authority, right underneath the, the queen. Right under the queen. He needed the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who you can meet on the street. They can have the best suit. They can be walking in the tusk. You may walk up to them. You may be intimidated and intimidated by their outward appearance of the great authority as you walk up to them. All you need to do is to take one of these and put it into their hands. That's what the unit had. Who knows? Maybe one of the men in Jerusalem that could have been one by the side of Philip looked at the unit and looked at his entourage and said, Well, I can't witness to this man. There's no way that he's going to listen to me. I'm just a little peon, a poor little peasant here. He's not going to give me the time of the day. I can't even get past his entourage and give him the gospel. But lo and behold, maybe it was a little child. You know, your children, when they go out to end their gospel track, people take them no matter what. Our girls, they love it. We go downtown and fucking tiny. It didn't matter who they were. I look at some people and think, you don't get attracted to me. You dirty scoundrel. But then here goes my daughter and walks up and hands them a track. They look and they smile and they, they talk to you know, children. They love children. Who knows who gave this Ethiopian the track? But either whoever gave them the track, if they would have had to press past an entourage, they would have to be able to approach a man of great authority, but they need the gospel. No matter who it is, Put a track 
into their hands. Put it into their letterbox. Go to the wealthy parts of town, not just the poor parts of town. God is not a respecter of persons. Everyone needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who this unit was. He was a man of great authority. The end of verse number 27, not only was he a man of great authority, he was a religious man. He was there and came to Jerusalem for to worship. You know, the full-fledged Gentile, that made him a Jewish proselyte, he traveled from Jerusalem to worship God to the best of his knowledge. There are people going to all kinds of churches in Auckland today. They're honestly trying to worship God to the best of their knowledge. Well, the best of their knowledge is what religion is telling them. The best of their knowledge is what other people are seeing, what they see in churches. The best of their knowledge is what they see in you today. They know where you're at today. Your neighbors, they should know you're in church today. To the best of their knowledge, they should know that worshiping God has to do with coming one for all, coming into the house of God and meeting with God Almighty. They need eternal salvation today. And this is who this unit was. Ethiopians, they knew exactly who God was. The Ethiopians, they knew exactly who the Messiah was. While in exile, back in Egypt, they knew it since Moses in Numbers 12, verse 1. Mary and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman who he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So the Ethiopians knew about God. Moses gave us what? The law. Moses wrote the first five books in the Bible. Moses, God used Moses and gave us the Ten Commandments. These Ethiopians, they were right side by side with God. They knew who God was because Moses in Exodus chapter number two. In verse number 16, not only just the Ethiopians, but the priests in Ethiopia. It says, Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water of their father's flock. Verse number 21, and Moses was content to dwell with the man, and what man? The priest of Midian, and he gave Moses and Borah his daughter. So the daughter or the, the wife of Moses was a daughter of the priest of Ethiopia. So the Ethiopians knew exactly who God was. They knew what the Ten Commandments were. They knew what exile was. They knew what the Passover was. They knew what the law was. The priest and the baby priest, by the way, in Ethiopia gave his daughter to Moses to marry Zorba, being the daughter of the priest. Later on in Exodus 18 and verse number 11, that his father called his priest of Midian, uh, came and he met with Moses after the Exodus, and he heard about God and praised God. And Exodus 18, verse 9, and Jethro, and that was uh, his father-in-law, rejoiced for all the goodness which God has done to Israel, and, and whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord. Who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh? Who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians? Now I know that the Lord is greater than what? All gods. He knew it. Why is that? Because there was a Philip there. His name was Moses. There was an Ethiopian there. The eunuch was the wife and the daughter of the priest. The priest of Midian, Jethro, he could turn back because of who Moses was, who God was, and what God did for God's people right there, delivering them out of the hand of Pharaoh and saying that I know, now I know, that the Lord is God, uh, the Lord is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein they dwelt proudly, he was above them. So the Ethiopians, they were absolutely wholeheartedly 100% familiar with who God was. They knew who, they knew who God was, and they would have known that the promises of the 
find Messiah. Why was this Ethiopian eunuch in Jerusalem? He was looking for the Messiah. He was looking for Christ. He was looking for hope. He was looking for eternity. He wanted to be with God. But he was still just a religious man. He came to Jerusalem for worship. Worship had greater, great meaning to the Ethiopian people. They were a pagan land, so they knew what worship was all about. It had great meaning uh, in a land that did not have God as their God, so a pagan God. Though he never knew Jesus Christ the Messiah was, he and this Ethiopian unit, he came to Jerusalem and was doing his best to be able to worship God. Worship the God of Moses. Worship the God of Zipporah. Worship the God of Jethro, the God of Israel, just to the best of his ability, but he still walked away empty. Realized coming to worship for him was not a hop, skip, and a jump across town. He wasn't like, it wasn't like some in this church, maybe, or in other churches here. You get offended by something that happens in church. You just jump to another church. You hop over to another church. I've been coming up here for 13 years, nine years with the revival. And you know what I have seen? I will go to this church, and I'll go to three or four other uh, churches in Auckland, and some faces are moved along with me. You started out here at Mount Zion, you've been at Apple Church. Or you started out at Gospel Light Bible Baptist Church. You started in one place or another, and something happened, you got offended, whatever it was, and you just hopped over to another church. You know what that's called? Church hopping. Well, this Ethiopian unit, he didn't even have that option to do that. He was 2,500 kilometers away. He did not have an option to jump to another, to another church. He couldn't hop, skip, and jump into another church that was closer to him. It was a four-week, now that's a good estimate from driving a horse and a chariot, four-week journey just to get to worship God and to try and find uh, who the Messiah was. Uh, who the Messiah was. That would have been a 5,000-kilometer round trip uh, journey for the unit. He represents many today, many in all of them today, many religious today, many religious sitting in our independent Baptist churches today, faithful to be in the house of God, faithful to be reading the Bible. That's exactly what he was doing. He was going to the house of God. He was reading the Bible, faithfully seeking God and worship God, faithfully seeking after the truth, yet not more than like the message last night, skip their repentance, skip what faith from the heart truly is all about. Doing what you can to be that good person. Feel like you're in place here in God's house today. That simply because you read your Bible, you're a good person, you're seeking after the truth, but you're not born again unless you come the way God said to come. This is who the unit was that he left empty out of the house of God. He was sincere in his worship, but he was sincerely lost. Yeah. Is not the There's yeah. a lot of people here today in Alton that are sincere yeah. in their worship. I have no doubt they go into the Methodist Church or the Lutheran Church or the Charismatic Church or the yeah. Catholic Church. I have no doubt that there are so many that are sincere in what they're doing to try and worship God, but they're sincerely lost. And I believe yeah. that's the same in our churches here today. Yeah. There are many that are sincere, but sincerely lost. And that's who this Ethiopian unit was. Back in uh, um, Acts chapter number 8, Acts chapter 8, verse number 28. Acts 8, verse number 28. Not only was he a man of authority, um, not only was he a religious man, he was seeking. In verse 28, he was sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah. Reading Isaiah. He left dissatisfied. He left religion and let him down in a great way. However, Jesus will never let him down. 
phrase about that you will not let him be out today. The eunuch uh, did not use the failure of religion to excuse his personal responsibility to seek after and to know God. Many people have been let down by religion. Many people, I've already told you, to use that word uh, church hopping. Many people have been let down here. Um, let me give you a hint. It won't be long before I let you in. Your pastor's going to let you in. We're not superhumans. We're not super Christians. We're not super spiritual. We're exactly who you are. We will let you down. When we let you down, what are you going to do about it? There's many that get let down by religion. And as soon as they let you get let down by religion, they don't go find another church. They could have done This Ethiopian unit could have done that. But he still left, even though he was let down. He didn't get let down by his personal responsibility to seek after and to know who God was. But why was this unit even reading the book of Isaiah? Well, first of all, he was handed that portion of scripture. But look at Isaiah 56. He was skimming through and found Isaiah. And I believe this verse right here may be one he was trying to hang his hat on. Isaiah 56, verse 3 through 5. Listen to these words. This was written to the unit. It says, Neither let the son of a stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated thee from his people. Neither let the unit say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the units. This is God now. God, the God of Moses, the God of Zephorah, the God who's Jim Jethro says, the God of God of all pagan gods in this world. This is what God said to the unit. The Lord then thus saith the Lord unto the unit, uh, that keep my Sabbath. Now, why was he in Jerusalem? He was keeping the high Sabbath. It was a feast time. He was going to Jerusalem to worship. So this unit is doing what this says right here. He's keeping the Sabbath and chose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I in my house and within my walls a place that a name better than of sons and of daughters, I will give them an everlasting name. How can we have an everlasting name unless we have everlasting life? This is, this is what units were hanging their hat on. They were nothing before the Jews. They were nothing before Jerusalem, before the temple, before the priests. But God has given them a promise here. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Why would this be so significant? Well, look at Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number, excuse me, Deuteronomy 23 and verse number 1. The law, this is the law of Moses. This is the law of the court. This is the law that Jethro was saying, this is greater than all other gods. Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 said, He that is wounded in the stones, or hath his privy member cut off, shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Without being descriptive, the wounded in the stones, and the privy being cut off, that was a unit. That was what a unit is all about. Considering Deuteronomy 23, verse number 1, it's no wonder that a unit left Jerusalem disappointed. I have no doubt that he went to worship, but they wouldn't let him into the temple. Why? Because he was a unit. They looked on the outside and said, you're unclean, you're unworthy, you're not allowed to come in and worship God Almighty. He gave 2,500 kilometers, four weeks of a journey, in order to find the Messiah. And he knew that God was in the temple, so he went straight to the temple. He leaves disappointed because of all of Moses, the one who married Zephora, the Ethiopian, the daughter of Jethro, who said, our God is the God of all gods and all pagan gods. 
these people would not want to deal with the temple of God. He left disappointed, yet he still was trusting the truth of the word of God. He knew that he had that promise back in Isaiah. Isaiah 56 promised, I will give you an everlasting name. I will allow you into the walls of my congregation. You will come in and nothing will ever cut you out. If you're the unit here today, if you don't know that you have a home in heaven today, God has a promise for you as well, an everlasting name. He will never cut it off. He will never take it away. You are accepted into his holiness today through the word of God. And that's what the unit was trusting God. All that he had to have on was God's holy word. I wonder how many in Jerusalem, even though he was a great party, no doubt he had the greatest entourage, no doubt he had the latest attire, no doubt he was wearing the gold, whatever he had. He was second in command underneath the queen. He had all of these guards that were following around with him, all of his minions hanging around with him. I have no doubt he looked the part of who he was. I wonder how many religious people took a look at him and just shone him away. How many times do we look at someone, whether they are in the filth of this world, sitting on a street corner, judging on their can, wanting something to help them get by? You know, we can, we can argue, I would probably agree with you. Most of these people, they choose to be there, but then we are put in their path. We take a look at them and we shove them away. Then we go to the other side, we go downtown, Queen Street, and on tea time. They come rushing out of their buildings, out of their uh, penthouses. They come down to Starbucks or wherever it might be. They've got the latest in the tire. They've got, they've got themselves all decked out. And we take a look at them and say, I'm barely making the fly. And we shut them off as well, just by our appearance to these two people. That's what happened to this Ethiopian unit. The, the Jews knew you can't come into the temple. You're not allowed into the house of God. Guess what? This body is not allowed into heaven above. I thank God that even after I'm saved, even though I'm still a sinner, even though I'm still defiled, and even though I'm still wretched and vile, and Paul said, the chiefest of sinners, I still have eternal home in heaven. I'm going to get a glorified body. I'm going to ask hey. that you guys don't see here today. No more aches, no more pain, no more back surgery, no more weeping, no more crying, no more heartache. We're going to get a brand new body possessed. This body is not allowed to enter into the holy temples in heaven above. But he did so for us. He came and he saved us. He shed his precious blood. And he offered unto us an eternal and everlasting name and a body that can go with us. We can enter all eternity and glorify our body one day. This unit got shut away. He was seeking and he's still seeking hope. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 30 and 31. Not only was he seeking, he was honest. Philip comes up along and alongside, comes up thither, and found reading the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? That's a good opening. You need to have gospel tracts, or you see us needing out gospel tracts? You see someone standing on the street corner waiting for the bus or waiting for the crosswalk to open up? They got the track open. You know what you can do? They're sitting there reading this track. You just walk up. Understand what you're reading? Talk to them, say and if they don't understand what the reason is, well, open it up, let me explain. All you got to do is just read the words. Let the Spirit of God help you explain the words in time. Do you understand now what you're reading? Philip knew that he needed the gospel, but it was an over. It was an easy over for him. How did this, this is absolutely miraculous. Remember, he is second in command under the Queen. No doubt he probably has a, a huge uh, amount of bodyguards. 
lot of money, the treasury of the treasury of Ethiopia is with him. Is entourage, I can only imagine hundreds of men, soldiers, the mightiest of men there to protect him and protect the, the, the queen's money. And all of a sudden, Philip just pops up, jogging along right next to the yeah, right alongside, 30 kilometers an hour, right alongside that chariot. And he just looks at him and says, Understand what you're reading? It was the book of Isaiah. He was reading and looking at that. Everybody was an honest man. In verse 31, he said, How can I, except some man should die? They give the gospel track for how many times all they have to do is say, We understand. How can I? I'm so glad that helped me out. What can do there? I can share. Philip was obedient, member of the Lord, obedient to um, the Spirit. Now he's obedient to the Word of God. The powers of the Word of God are not in your Souls can be saved today. The eunuch was honest. Most people, if they're religious, they think, you ever hear of faith to you make it? You ever heard that term, faith to you make it? How many times we talk to someone religious, they'll act like they know what they're talking about. They try to fake it. That wasn't this eunuch. He knew that he did not know. He was, he was honestly seeking after God, and now he is honest before um, uh, uh, Philip, and he says, I do not know, but he wanted the answers. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. What an honor that would have been. Remember, this is second command thunder the queen. Can you imagine getting a seat with the queen today, or the second command? Can you imagine being able to just break through all the guards just to get to the presence of the queen or king in England today. That wouldn't happen. But then the honor is say, you come up and sit next to him. Sit next to my friend. What an honor. God, you will seek it after God. And now he was being absolutely honest and wanted honest answers. Then he became attentive. The was attentive. In verse 32 to 35, the place of scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a sheep was slaughtered. And like a lamb is speaking, prophesying of Christ and the Messiah, dumb before his shears, who opened not his mouth. Um, in his humiliation, the judgment is taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophetess, of himself or of someone or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him who? Jesus. The only answer is Jesus. And he took it from Isaiah all the way through Jesus. He opened up his mouth, and as he opened up his mouth, in verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and began to preach, began at the same scriptures, and preached unto him Jesus. And his eyes were open. As they, did, as they went on their way, they came on a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me? Uh, to be baptized. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's finally found his son. Isaiah 56 promised he would have that. Promised him an everlasting name. Promised him a name that would never be taken away. And he finally, 2,500 kilometers plus, who knows? He may have been to go back to Ethiopia at this point. So, well over 2,500 kilometers, maybe 3,000 kilometers later, he found the Messiah. He found Jesus Christ. Acts 8 37, and Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, and he answered, he said, I believe. This is how simple salvation is. Believe. Repentance, yes, you get the repentance. You've got to know what sin is. You've got to understand that sin is sending you to a place of all God. The unit knew this. He knew where he was headed. He was seeking after that everlasting name. 
that God our Father is in unity by name in Isaiah 56. He was in unity with the word of God and promised unto him. It is so simple, it's a hard issue. Uh, they just have to listen. They listen from the heart. They have to understand from the heart, and they have to believe from the heart. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye received the Holy Spirit of promise. You trust, but the trust don't come until after you hear. And salvation is sealed what comes after you believe. We have to get it out to them. They can hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They can be born again and saved or trust in Christ as Savior. We have many examples of people being saved by gospel tracts. But that gospel tract didn't just grow um, on the park bench or uh, wherever you may lay it. It didn't just appear there mystically. You got permission to get that gospel tract out. You got permission to put it in someone's hand. We have no clue. I would like to ask you this one day. Who gave you that portion of scripture? They could have been a little child. It could have been someone that maybe they, they just threw down because they couldn't get past the entourage. They, they, you don't know how to not that portion of scripture, but guess what? We do know somebody put it in this hand. Somebody may have walked by and saw the chariot sitting there, new guards around, no one was there, the treasury was gone, he's lost in the temple trying to worship the, 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 the chariot was sitting there, and someone just kind of walked up and slipped it on the seat of the chariot and went on their own. Who knows how, who gave that gospel track, but we know that he had a portion of scripture. And all for that, he ends up being in born again. The gospel message did its job with this unit, but it had to be put into his hands. When the truth is clear, he was drawn by the word of God that he had heard. His eyes were open and he had a choice to make. And that choice was whether to keep going or stop and confess Jesus Christ. And he stopped. He stopped at the water. He was ready to be baptized. Baptism is not for salvation. Philip made that clear. Believe this now with all thine heart. But baptism is your next step in obedience as a believer. If you're not baptized today, you're disobedient to God. Get baptized. Get baptized today. But he was obedient to that before everyone else. Before all of his entourage. We tell him how big that pool of water was. He talked about the desert. It took him two days. Um, not many big pools of water, maybe an oasis. But as they walked down, the Bible says he walked down and he was baptized. Who knows? A whole entourage circling the water, protecting them. Maybe they were they were on one edge. They could feel they tried to drown them. I mean, there were they, they think about it. He, he was second in command. He was in charge of the treasure. Their job was to guard his life. So they're watching him. We're being complained the life right now. But the reality is, they were there. There was a public witness. In him trusting Christ as Savior, in him being in him being born again. Acts 8 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still. He wasn't driving, obviously. He commanded someone else, stop the chariot. I'm ready to be baptized. I'm born again. And now he does it in witness of all of his entire entourage. He says he commanded the chariot to stand still, went down into the water, both Philip and the unit, and he baptized him. This wasn't just a simple little scene. This is another, I don't know, maybe the guards went into the water with him. His life was on the line. Philip could have been drowning and he's reading between the lines right here. He had to be protected. So as he did this, I wonder, thinking, how many of his entourage trusted Christ as Savior as well? Why? All because somebody put a gospel tract in the hands of the unit. Go tell him how many hundreds of them were born again as a result. I'm going to ask that question when I get to heaven above. 
The unit now, he left saved and he left satisfied. In verse 39, when they were come out of the waters, the spirit caught, uh, the Lord caught uh, way Philip, and the unit saw him in the water, and he went on his way rejoicing. Are you rejoicing today in your salvation? Are you in the shoes of the unit for the shoes of Philip today? Do you know you have an eternal home in heaven today? Jerusalem was full of religion. They left unsatisfied. But then he found satisfaction in the one who gave him that promise back in the book of Isaiah. The God of Moses, the God of that is his forefathers, Jethro, who said, it is the God of all gods. And Zorah Zipporah, the Ethiopian daughter to the high priest in Midian, in Ethiopia. He knew who God was. Now he finally found and he goes away rejoicing back to him You'll never, never, never find an instance in the Word of God where someone was born again and they weren't rejoicing back. They weren't thrilled to death. They weren't good and ready just to give that gospel message out to anybody and everybody else. Salvation came because of this. Somebody put a trash in the Or somebody laid it on the chair. Or somebody may have stuck it up underneath of the Bible of the course. Who knows where it was? But for some reason, somebody got past the entourage. They got past the uh, looking at it as a rich and wealthy man. Got past everything and got the gospel into his hand. That's our job here today. That's what this revival is about. That's what the 60,000 gospel tracts are all about. To encourage us, it don't matter if it's a man shaking the, 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 the bucket for change on the corner, or if it's the richest, the wealthiest person you ever see on the street down in Auburn. They need the gospel in their hand. They will trust Christ as Savior if they have a message. They can trust Christ as a personal Savior. How is that? Romans 10 and verse number uh, 14 through 17. And then shall they call him in whom they have not believed? For how shall they call them in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings uh, of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, there's that name again, Isaiah says, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The question is, are you ready and willing to take the word of God out? If you're the unit, are you ready and willing to believe the word of God today? You can't trust your morals, you can't trust your family members, you can't trust religion. You can only trust the one that said in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Who are you today? Are you the unit? Or are you built today? The one or the other sit you in today. And then you have a destiny. What you need to do. If you're the unit, you need to trust Christ as Savior. If you're the Philip, look into somebody's hand. Take those 60,000 tracks. I'd like to say at the end of this year, we're ready for another 4 million tracks. Maybe we've got 350,000, I think, tracks that came through. Uh, Hard time. All along by the end of this year, we're ready for another 4 million. Because we got Phillips running all over the streets in Auckland, throughout New Zealand, city, just doing a simple job of placing that track somewhere. Maybe it's just a cherry seat. Maybe it's the back of a public toilet. Maybe it's laying it down on a shelf in the supermarket. Maybe it's leaving it on the park bench. Maybe it's putting it in somebody's hand. Maybe it's putting it in the windshield wiper or someone's car. Whatever it is, you're just simply doing your job of 
putting this out. Look for the opportunities and you'll be there. Philip said to him, you know, you understand what you're reading? You understand it? The opportunity will come for you to lead someone to the Lord. But that opportunity won't come unless they've already given you their opinion the word of God. They come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's close with a word of prayer. I trust you're encouraged by the word of God today. If you are the unit today, you need to be born again today. If you're a fellow today, you need to be actively putting gospel out today and preaching the word of God, giving the message out so that others can come alongside us to and lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll close the word prayer and uh, leave it over to the Lord. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you for this time. We hope the word of God and encouragement we get from a gospel track message. Given to us the word of God, which is the scripture in his hand, who travels so many kilometers, so many weeks to try and find this side, to try and find hope, and he found it. He left disappointed by religion, he left disappointed by the people, but he still kept seeking you. You sent someone to present to him the gospel message. Lord, if we would see souls saved this week, give us fruitful labor, and give us encouragement that we can be the one slipping into somebody's hand or slipping into a seat next to us. Somewhere where somebody can come along and pick up that gospel message and trust Christ as our personal Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Is that what you say? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's uh, uh, again another boost of uh, the importance of going out and tell the people about the Lord Jesus Christ. The word is in our hand. The Lord, the ministry of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. Uh, the Lord has placed on us. If we don't do our job, I believe the Lord, you know, it's up to us. In other words, the Lord has placed this upon our hands. Are we willing that these people should go to hell despite of what God has done in the cross of another? Your friends, are your friends? You are the ones who take the God there, you know, these people. In the proximity where your friends are. And then, of course, the Lord will not use proper hour for your friends. Because, you know, you are in the vicinity, you are in the proximity there. So the Lord, you are the period to the units. You are the period to these people that seek the Lord. And many of them, many of them, without this, people um, will find the Lord if we only take you know, the effort going to them and giving them just the tracks or speaking to them about the word of reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, uh, this is the last day of uh, so many revival in our church and we will have tonight of course another round of you know, fusion uh, to boost this uh, 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 so many uh, efforts, and I hope that Holy uh, Spirit is, you know, by this time, uh, by this time, already taking uh, hold of the of your heart, so that you will act, because we are the ones, uh, we are the hope of this, this city, we are the hope of this place. If we don't do anything, we cannot give this job to the Mormons. Because if we plus the city with one million workers in one year, not one will be saved. Yep. Yep. If we 
flood this city with one million Jehovah's Witnesses in one thousand years, not one will be saved. Yep. Because you don't believe it. You and I believe. You know this word, word of reconciliation. No. The Bible says, uh, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's so simple. Salvation is so simple. And yet, it's so hard. Why is hard? Because our hearts are hard. You see? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So simple. But how then shall he call a name of whom we have not heard? Or we have not believed? And how then shall he believe in him of whom we have not heard? And how shall he hear? No. Without a preacher, without you, without me, how shall we preach except they be sent? For it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the good tidings of good things. And again, if we don't do what God wants us to do, then brace yourself, our loved ones and our friends, with just a matter of time for God to go to heaven. But they are our friends. We know them. Some, some of them we eat together with them. Some, some of them we, 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 we work together with them. Day by day, every single day we see them. And yet, when everything will be, will be set and done, and then we will be standing at the you know, uh, justices of Christ, the great white throne, Everything will be replaced, and all those people that you know, a lot of them are in hell. And you will be, you know, in a mode of regret. My friend, before we reach that point, now is the time. Now is to act. Now is the time to act. So we have the chance right now. We have the opportunity right now. And praise God that we have all these creatures with us. And what a blessing. I cannot really, I cannot imagine that our church, outside of our church, is flooded with these, you know, creatures this week. And we have uh, heard a lot of encouraging and, you know, uh, uh, very motivating uh, messages coming from the Word of God. So, um, we have one more. We have one more. But before that, we'll take a break. We will. We will uh, have like strictly five minutes break because we want to fellowship again after uh, after all these things. So we will take a break for five minutes. Um, we have toilets over there and coffee and drinks over there in the back. So please, uh, and then when, you, when we come back to the call, please occupy the. Uh, the, the front rows, occupy the front rows so that all of us can focus together towards the front. Alright? So, have a break, five minutes break, and we will start singing after five minutes.
Signs of his coming multiply. 
we will um, be like prepared two by two uh, in the vicinity of that hall. So um, we will form groups and then uh, put um, the trust in the mailboxes. Alright, so if, if you are an adult and you want to join this afternoon for that, uh, you are welcome to do so. Our young people will still use the PD over there uh, to do the practice, I mean the snapping in Saturday Club. So we will still go there, but no program. Uh, we'll just uh, have some um, work to do for the snapping. And as much as we can, then we will disperse the people, the youth, and the adult people coming to the places near the Mount uh, Albert Barnumware Hall. Right. Also, um, tomorrow we have our mess meeting still. Uh, we'll have purchase uh, also right up for our mess meeting tomorrow, uh, still online. And uh, uh, just join if you are uh, a father or, or you know, a young person. You have to join our mess um, meeting online. Uh, I welcome you and invite you to uh, join our mess meeting. Always every Monday, seven of the evening at the night. Right? And there are two pictures all the time, two uh, men who reach the meeting. So uh, we encourage all of you. And also this coming Friday, we are going to travel uh, down to Arcani. We will uh, go uh, in two groups. The first group will be uh, in the morning of Friday, and we will stop there um, for Friday night. And the second group, we have decided to just come so that we don't have to worry about accommodation. We will come early in the morning. We will leave open early in the morning to the planning. So please, um, you know, figure out which group uh, you plan to go with. And uh, so that if you are planning to come on Friday, I mean, to join us, uh, traveling to Nakatani on Friday, please let me know because uh, I need the numbers for the accommodation. So we need, we need the numbers so that uh, you have uh, some place to sleep uh, for Friday evening. Alright, and we need to pray. Um, we have a urgent prayer request. Lona um, Tadio, uh, the sister of uh, Sister Mian. Um, she's, not, she's not doing well physically. She's uh, having uh, health problems and I think it's getting worse. And uh, she got cancer, and I think uh, she's now in hospital. And uh, it's, it's, it's not a good look, uh, her condition is it worse. So please pray for the family and pray for the supply of uh, the need there for the hospitalization. Uh, her name is uh, Luna, Luna Tadeo, the sister of uh, Sister Mia. Right? And please pray for our. Um, you know, our ladies uh, that have medical issues, please uh, remember the most of prayer. Pray also for uh, the well-being of uh, Sister Anne and, and Lawrence with her uh, baby. And yeah, we are so glad that the baby is now out and uh, hope to see them really in the coming days. So please pray for um, this new uh, family. And uh, I had a lot of, I expected a lot of visitors, first time visitors today. But, you know, amazingly, all of them were scared of the news of the storm. 
uh, papers or notebooks. Um, we have a special speaker, and again, I'm so blessed that um, this uh, preacher's name uh, was there far, from far away. And um, our speaker this morning, evangelist Ivan Harry, has been doing this ministry for many, many years now. And um, he was once uh, assistant pastor uh, of his uh, former church. Um, and again, uh, he was, he is now the executive director of Bible Transit Operator, and he's responsible for the shipping of all those tracks. Uh, most of the tracks that we're using, we use other tracks also, like the uh, tracks, uh, we do that in the cluster for free, but these uh, tracks also um, are coming in volume. And uh, yeah, what a blessing that, you know, it, it reaches to us. Uh, very, very happy, and uh, it's a blessing that uh, Pastor Louis Howell, you know, uh, come us more to handle all these um, um, materials that we can use for the ministry to encourage our people at the same time to reach out to um, the people around us. And again, here our friend is, you know, he's um, very far away from the United States of America, from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, let's welcome to our pulpit, uh, Brother Michael McCurry. It's a great and privilege to be with you folks today, and I greatly appreciate making it out on a blustery day. I have to say that the weather doesn't keep you in church today, and I appreciate and I've been very thankful for how well we've treated, how we don't deserve it to be uh, the accommodations, the food, and a wonderful time of fellowship over lunch with the pastors yesterday. And introduced to some new Filipino food. I thought I'd eaten every single option of Filipino food, but I was wrong. And so I'm going to try some more with pleasure, with great pleasure. And you know, that's such a wonderful time with all of you. Thank you for your attentiveness, your faithfulness, and thank you for using our tracks. I said before, but there would be little worth to our ministry without Christians like you using our products. We're very thankful for each and every one of you. So, and if you have not yet begun to use gospel tracks, let me encourage you to do so. Uh, maybe, just maybe, you start with committing to, to yourself and to God. Maybe you could put out one or two or five gospel tracks this week. Amen. And uh, maybe you do five more the next week. You say, how can I do that? Well, as Pastor already mentioned, uh, many of you would live in a place where you could easily walk down the street and leave a few in some letterboxes never know what God might do through that effort. If you want to grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalm 107, Psalm 107, I am normally not the most keen to feature many personal illustrations in my preaching. I have often believed that I have too little road behind me to look back at it too long, but you'll understand as we go further into this message, the purpose and reason for which we include some personal illustrations, because this message, this burden, is personal to me, but my prayer, my aim is that before we're done, in just a few short moments, that it could become personal to you as well. I've asked every message 
every session that I've had the privilege to speak, that you engage your imagination. I found that oftentimes in my personal life and ministry, the only inhibition, the only way to slow down God's desired impact for me is a lack of imagination. You may not be aware of this, I say tongue-in-cheek and somewhat sarcastically. My mother jokingly said that sarcasm was our first language and English came second. Amen. So I say somewhat sarcastically, you may not be aware of this, but we serve a mighty God. We serve a powerful God. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. He's omniscient. That means he knows all. He's omnipotent. That means he can do anything he wants, anywhere he wants, with anyone he wants. And friend, he might just want to use you. Amen. But it may be that you need to use and engage your imagination to really believe that. Some of you are looking at me skeptically right now. That's one of the advantages of standing up here. I get to see all of you. And uh, I learned long ago, Pastor, not to be afraid of their faces, no matter how skeptical they look. Amen. So, a sour face isn't going to put me off. I've been uh, looking forward to this opportunity all the yesterday and today. We had a wonderful time at the youth rally yesterday, and Adrian and Levy did a wonderful job speaking to the young people, and they were a credit to you and your investment, and I appreciate them and the opportunity to fellowship with them not long ago in Sydney, and uh, continue to invest in the next generation. I would very much appreciate that. Speaking as one, that is somewhat of the next generation. In the book of Psalms 107, would you stand with me for just a moment? We'll stretch our legs. Psalm 107, out of respect for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to read verse number 23 and 24. I ask you to listen as I read. Psalm 107, verse number 23, says this, They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and its wonders in the deep. I don't have what I would call a life verse, though I do. The few times, the rare times that I'm asked to sign someone's Bible, I'll often sign it Psalm 107, right under me chapter. And I'll ask the person whose Bible I'm signing, when you get home tonight, go ahead and read that whole chapter for me. That's the price you pay for my signature. But it's one of my favorite chapters, and this is probably my favorite passage from Psalm 107. You may recall back in Psalm 34, thereabouts, another verse that goes something like, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I hope you know that taste. But that word see, it's kind of a theme this week, isn't it, How? Open our eyes to see what God can do, and in keeping with that theme, and in keeping with what I believe God has for us today. A future message titled, Come and See. Come and see. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this grand opportunity. Thank you for these faithful people. Your people are the best people, not because of who we are, not because of what we do, but because of the God we serve. Father, I ask you to meet with us in a special way as only you can.
he can speak through me simply as a conduit, push me to the side. Please make me usable and make us receptive. Give us soft hearts and open ears to your word today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I told you there would be personal illustration that would make its way to this message today. I begin with this. I was standing on a platform not too dissimilar to this one here. I was about seven years younger. I still looked like I was 45 years old, but I was about seven years younger. And as I was standing there, I was in a semicircle with about six or seven men of God. Men who were my heroes, pastors, evangelists there, but I was standing there because we were planning and preparing for a gospel crusade. Not strictly a revival, but something along the lines and very similar to what you and I are participating in now. A gospel crusade with one sole purpose, to see people come to receive the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We were going to call a week of meetings. There were about 17 churches that were going to come together. We were in the Northeast Ohio area here, Cleveland, Ohio, in America. And if this doesn't continue working, God will switch to another microphone, or I will just yell at you from up here, all right? We'll survive together. But as I was standing there, I was asked this question. I was asked this question in such a way that it actually prompted a response. I was asked this question, how do we get people to come to this event? How do we get people of your generation, Brother McCurry, realize everyone else in that semicircle was 55 and older? I was 30 years their junior. But McCurry, how do we engage your generation? And I pondered, and sometimes out of the mouth of babes, there can be just the tiniest nugget of wisdom. I said this, you've never seen it. You see, what we're trying to do was to see hundreds, if not thousands of people come together, see dozens and hundreds of people get saved, and we've heard stories about names you may not be familiar with, the Jack Van Envy and Billy Graham and some of these people who, for a time at least, were independent fundamental Baptists and preached the true gospel of Jesus Christ without ecumenical flavorings and saw many thousands of people saved. And I had to speak for myself and say, I've never seen it before. And even in my generation, I said, you've got to show us. We've got to see it. We've got to catch a vision for what it is we're trying to do here. And in that same way, I ask you today to come and see. Come and see. Come and see what? Well, I begin by asking you to come and see a perspective. Come and see a precious Savior. If you're listening right now and you have never taken the opportunity to bring your property to you by a free sacrifice, it wasn't free to him, but by carriage, that means in our place suffering of Jesus Christ, if you've never come and seen the precious 
Savior that today could be and should be, if you make the right decision, the day of salvation. We'll try it again. Christian family. 
who introduced him to church. When Fred first started coming to church, he was wearing a hoodie with the hood up, with earbuds in, playing on his phone on the back row with no interest whatsoever in what was going on up here. But on this day, three months after, he had seen the love of Christ displayed through Christians just like you. And he was sitting on the front row in a suit and tie, looking like he wanted to be there. But there's a problem because Fred had a God-sized hole in his soul that a suit and tie could not fill. That all the love from God's people could not fill. Fred was lost. And as I preached that morning, Fred got under conviction. I learned long ago, Pastor, that evangelists often just come in and pick other people's fruit. You invest in this field, you work in this area, you invest in these people, and you folks invest. And then I get to come in and preach a message with a slightly different flavor, a slightly different tone, and all of a sudden people make decisions. And you've been preaching the same way for months, but pray that day, accepted Christ as a Savior. Just a week later, I was leaving singing at a camp as a wake. French church came. Brought their teenagers from Fred Kane. At the close of the week of camp, we would always sing a song at this particular camp. It goes something like, Glory, 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 somebody touched me. Glory, 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 somebody touched me. You know, we clap along with it. Once you get past that first verse, you sing, It was on a Monday, somebody touched me. And if you accepted Christ on a Monday, you stand up. And then you say it was on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. A lot of folks were going on Wednesday because it was midweek service, and Thursday, Saturday, the folks that write. Then Saturday, a lot of people stand up because there's a lot of folks that got saved because a church like yours went out and knocking on doors and invite people to church and telling people about the Savior. But very rarely do you see more people stand up than on Sunday. And so we sing, I suppose you wonder, you say, I don't recall that Saturday, what day I got saved on I love singing the song. After Sunday, we sing, it was on Sunday. Not sure exactly what day it was, but we still give everyone else an opportunity to stand up. But we got to Sunday, but Monday through Saturday got to Sunday, and to see the joy on Fred's face, a week or so after his salvation, see, everyone else just stood up. Now, some people were clapping here. Some people were clapping here, but Fred decided to jump up on his chair, and he was singing, it was on a Sunday song, and he just sang with the brightest, most infectious grin, I'd say he got it, don't you think? You know what he came and saw? A precious Savior that in spite of the life that he had lived, a life where no one cared and no one loved, and that he was abused and beaten and cast out and was told he was a mistake, he found a God that told him he was not a mistake, that loved him, that offered a free gift of his only begotten son, and Fred accepted that. He came and saw a precious Savior. Amen. My question for you today is this, have you accepted this precious Savior as well as Fred's life had It's very likely to crowd this side. There are some that are living the most miserable existences. 
not just five meters from the truth, but many of you have it in your very laps and don't know that you're on your way to heaven. I'm not asking or recommending you have your salvation, but if you're sure of it, I'm very glad for you. If you're not, okay, we can best take it that settled. You're not saved because you have a good preacher. You're not saved because you come to every service of revival. You're not saved because you go to a good church. Your dad was a preacher or your mom was a saint. You're saved because of the decision that you make. A decision to come and see a precious Savior. But that's not the perspective I asked you to gather today. Would you come and see perspective of separation. You see here in Psalm 107, they that go down to the sea ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Which sailors, which mariners, which navy men are the one that come back with stories? The ones that work as porters on the docks day in and day out, for the ones that get in the ship and go over the horizon. Which ones come back with the amazing stories of faraway lands? The ones that take little risks. There will be some things that you may need to separate from to see God do a great work in your life. But maybe you're content to just fly the trade routes near the coast. Do you understand that for the context of which the, in which this particular set of verses was written? It was written in a time when the ships of that day were shallow water vessels. They very rarely went out into the blue water. They stayed near the coasts. They were not set up to handle storms as well. Think of the galleys of days past. Those, they were flying in the still waters of the Mediterranean. Or go out into the churning waters of the Atlantic or the Pacific, not so good. But can I tell you, those with the real stories that people write about and remember for ages to come, those are the ones that have to separate from some things. I think of the Hudson Taylors and the Iron Justins and the David Livingstons. I had the opportunity to go with a man named Bob Witt to Myanmar for two million gospel tracks in Myanmar and to hear his own personal stories that he's lived in only the past 14 years of being a missionary to Burma to Myanmar makes me think it's kind of boring in the world. I'm going to go do something for God. With respect to separation, you can also apply it to how you live your life when it comes to standards of separation. You know, it's interesting to me. We don't look at the guardrails on the bridges that we cross on the Harbor Bridge there in Auckland. When we cross over, we don't look at guardrails. We don't look at the concrete structures keeping us on the bridge. We don't look at them and say, those are ridiculous. Why would I want those? Why are they there to keep you safe? To keep you from driving you and your entire family into the children's waters below and killing all of them. So why is it that when the Bible has some principles by which your pastor has laid out some standards for service here at this church, why would you say that those are ridiculous? 
come and see the perspective of separation that maybe you've never seen before. Maybe that fence that's keeping you off from jumping off the cliff is just utter ridiculousness to you. So here's the problem. I have no concerns, or very little concerns, about my ability if this right here was a massive cliff and I'm overlooking the cliff. My concern is not so much with my ability to keep myself from jumping over. I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty self-assured. I understand how to use my body in such a way. Even if there was a little bit of blustery wind, I'd probably be able to stand pretty close to the edge. But the problem that many of you don't consider is the fact that you have children that are not as wise, as adept, or as, as experienced as you, and what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. Yep. And so when you stand ever so close to the cliff, you give your children no choice, and if they want to rebel, there's only one step between them and our destruction. And so you think for the pastors and missionaries and evangelists, and you never realize, I'm 30 years old, I just want to let you know that there are some of my generation that still believe in standards, and still believe what Bible preaches about men dressing like men, and women dressing like women, and all the rest. Yep. And if I read you, I'm leaving for Parker County tomorrow, and I'm leaving for America on Tuesday, and I don't care. And I don't say that to be a jerk. Please understand me. I truly don't. I don't come to a pulpit to use that as a country. Or as a cricket bat to beat me over the head with. But some of you have never opened your eyes to the fact that you're destroying that generation by the fact that you want to stand right on the cliff's edge and say, Pastor, it won't hurt me, but what about them? Amen. Yep. And so those of us that stand back here and construct solid boards and fences and walls and say, we're going to stand over here. Does the Bible say that the fence has to be here? No, it doesn't. But I do know that this is sin, so I'm going to stay back here behind the fence, not for my sake, but for my children's sake. We went to the Blue Mountains there in Australia, in Sydney. I had no concern of being against the railing. If the railing hadn't been there, I would be one of those that's foolish enough to just kind of get close to the edge and look over a little bit. Hundreds of meters down. But if my children had been there and there had been no railing, I would be holding their hands and saying, You look over here. Hey, why do we treat Sydney differently? I think it's because you want a perspective of biblical separation. Or, could be you've never met the precious Savior and He's not in your life to explain some of these things to you. You see, I don't go around kissing other women. Right here. I don't have meetings to load around this woman. 
you say is it biblically wrong to do that? No, I'm just going to put that back here. Some of you are answering so close to the edge. You're so confident in your abilities. You, if that's just going to hurt your kids, you're the ones going to slip and fall on that. Normally, normally a little more courage on a Sunday morning. You know what encouraged me the most? It's when you get serious about some of these things and save your family from destruction. Precious Savior, perspective separation, last of this. Look at verse number 23. Then they go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, and we see the works of the Lord, and his wonders of the people. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof, and not up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths, their souls melt because of trouble. They reel to and fro, scatter like a drunken man, or after wit's end. These people that go out on the ships, there are some difficulties. I'm not promising smooth sailing in every aspect of the Christian life, but it's all worth it at the end because then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh a storm calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Come and see the payment for your service tonight. Pull out of this. Early in 2018, my wife began to have some difficulties with her legs. I don't know if you've ever dealt with restless leg syndrome or something along those lines, but she has some similar symptoms, hot and cold sensations all the way down her legs, loss of sensations of weakness, things of that nature, and went to the doctor trying to figure out no one would really help her. Soon after, she found that she was with child for a second. And of course, the doctors, as a child grew her womb, the doctors insisted that the issues with their legs must be related to hormones and things of that nature. They said, as soon as you have that baby, everything is going to be much better. Well, Lucy Louise McCurry was born on December 28, 2018. Two or three days later, my wife actually got even worse. She basically could not walk. So we went to the emergency room. Finally, got a doctor who actually looked at the situation with a keen eye, and I think with a top with God given discretion and wisdom, and ran some tests found after an MRI that she had a six inch tumor wrapped around her spine. This level right here. The reason she couldn't move her legs is because that tumor was cutting off the nerve signals from her brain everything below here, we didn't know my life would be able to walk this time. This was, we found out this news at 11.48 p.m. on December 31st, 2018. What a way to end the year, don't you think? I called three or four people, it was late night, of course. I called my pastor. Work with 
still a friend here of me. I call my father in law. I call my father. I call a friend. Four people. Do you know what every single one of them said to me? Not a single one of them said, in this storm, in this circumstance, you should probably just. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for this time. 
always pray in the name of your most high, most precious Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the Continue to bow your heads and close your eyes as we can reflect on what the Lord has spoken to us this morning. You are here this morning, and you need to come and see if you have not done so in this past few days, and you have not done so in the past. Would you come and experience, you know, the feeling there that you serve the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? My friends, it is a blessing that the Lord has called us to serve him. You have this invitation now. The altar is open. Come to the Lord and ask the Lord to allow you to be a person that can be a, you know, a, a channel the salvation for the friends that you have, the people that you are with. Maybe you are the person here that God is calling you to reach out to those unsaved, saved loved ones. My friends, our time is so short. We don't have much time to waste. You are here this morning and you need to confirm that, to respond to God's call. Here am I, Lord. Please, Lord, use me. I have loved ones that I must say. Lord, I have friends that I wish that they were, they were saved, but they are not. But Lord, I do not know how. Please, Lord, here am I. Send me. If you are like that, why don't you come? You love to get them saved, but there's no way in your own understanding that they can be saved. But the Lord can save them. All you need to do is present them before the Lord. Come before Him. My friend, I know because I've been there. There are a lot of people in our heart. But we cannot really open our mouth. It's hard to share with them the gospel because we are afraid. If you are like that this morning, our Lord can handle that. Just come and ask the Lord to help you. And He will. He will help you. Perspective of separation. Have a standard of separation. I think that is one important thing in our life. Because once they would not see our change ourselves, then it's hard for them to see that we are serving, that we are living and show God. The reason maybe that our loved ones are hard is because we ourselves are hard. We don't really love God. We don't really show to them that our God is real. My friend, if you are serious about the salvation of your loved ones, your desire, you need to the Lord. 
continue to pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you, Lord, that despite of the coldness of the Christians all around, Lord, we still have uh, a people that have desire, a desire to be of use for the gospel. Lord, please keep this uh, uh, fire burning in our hearts that we may continue, oh God, to um, bring this gospel to the people around us. Lord, I know that uh, many of us are complacent in our position in the church, in our um, ability to come to a church service, but Lord, I know that it's not enough. Many perhaps are being Christians, but they don't have the real desire for the salvation of their loved ones. Lord, please awaken our senses. Help us, Lord, to see how beautiful it is of God that our loved ones will be saved. How beautiful it is to see their salvation. And that, Lord, they also serve and devote themselves to your glory and for your honor. Lord, continue to speak to us. Continue, Lord, to work in our mind. Bless these people of God. Lord, I know that there are a lot of these people here who have the desire that their loved ones and their friends and the people around them will be saved. I know, Lord, that their desires. I know that. Um, their people's um, desire in their life is that their loved ones will be will come to know Christ. Please, Lord, continue to work in us and help us, O oh God. Give us the ability, give us the utterance, give us, Lord, uh, the courage to open our mouth so that these people also may see the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ before it is too late. Our time is so short. We don't have much time left. Lord, we cannot waste our time on, on, on things that are temporal, things that are material. Because, Lord, souls of men are so precious. Lord, help us not to forget the value of the soul. Help us, Lord, not to forget that our time is so short. Help us, Lord, not to forget that the Lord Jesus Christ and His salvation is available today. Lord, bless these people once again. Help these people, O God, to um, be awakened. There are some here that are sleeping in their Christian lives. I pray, Lord, that they will be awakened and they will start and begin to serve. They will begin to uh, toil the ground. Lord, bless the lost. Help them, Lord, to get saved. And bless the people that are already in the service. Strengthen, Lord, our people that are already in the service of your name. Give them, Lord, the, the energy that they need. Give them the courage. Give them, Lord, the, the things that they need, the protection that they need every single day so that they can continue that noble work for the world of reconciliation. Bless all of these people of God. 
Thank you, Lord, for the messages that we have heard. Thank you for, the, for bringing uh, these people, these uh, preachers to us all throughout this week. And Lord, bless them and continue to use them so that many others will also be blessed and also be encouraged to continue the work. We commit to your Lord these people and thank you for uh, your working for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's all stand, let's sing the final hymn.
we're also required tomorrow, so we don't have much time really to do shift with it. So um, we will give him a little uh, of this love gift, and I hope that uh, this will be a blessing for This is from our church. And for the rest of you, if you want to give more, you know, for our street pastors, indicate that when you, um, when you give your offering something, and uh, just indicate uh, who's that um, intended to, then we will give it to them, right? But for the time, because Brother Michael will be preaching uh, somewhere else tonight, he cannot be with us tonight, so uh, I will give this um, love gift uh, to him now, okay? Uh, Brother Michael, please uh, accept this uh, And tonight, uh, brothers and sisters, please come. We are going to have our final um, you know, services for uh, the Soul Winning Revival. And uh, Pastor Jonathan uh, Tampoy will be preaching tonight. And also, um, Pastor Dennis Lilleman will be preaching tonight. And uh, also, I will, I, will, I will ask Pastor um, Louis Howell to. You know, wrap everything up after Pastor Dennis Howell, I mean, Dennis Litterman, preaching. Pastor Howell would be, uh, you know, uh, give us a charge for the final, you know, um, uh, meetings that we have tonight. Alright, so please come tonight for our final uh, service for the Soviet Revival, and the video will be in Mount Eden War Memorial Hall. Bound Amber, Bound Amber, Memorial Hall. Sorry, this is not even. So Bound Amber, Memorial Hall. At the time, uh, we start there at five thirty. Five thirty. Okay. So yes, okay, Pastor. So be there early. Please come early and fellowship with us. And young people, don't forget, young people, we have work to do. Uh, praise the Lord for young people. We have all the energy you know, in this world. These young people we will be together at 2 o'clock over there in Sandringham, you know, community center, and we will stamp those tracks as much as we can. And after that, we go out through our line two, we group it through, and then we reach out of the places there surrounding Mount Albert Park for the ball. Alright? So uh, please come to our young people. Brother Ram, please post uh, this service for work and please pray for the food. Lord, and also, Lord, thank you, Lord, for encouraging us to work in your field, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending us uh, uh, your messenger, Lord, to deliver your encouragement. Also, Lord, uh, encouragement to us, Lord, and also a reminder to us, Lord, uh, that uh, we need to share, Lord, the presentation that we receive from others. So, Lord, uh, help us back, uh, help us to, uh, uh, to come again, Lord, to deliver this evening for, uh, for uh, the last night of the uh, Bible meeting, Lord, and also uh, bless the food that we're going to eat today, and the nourishment of our body, for we must have saved in our families in Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen, amen. amen. Alright, that's all so we have class. Please bring uh, the for you and do uh, your 